tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boostbytaxday to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC. Stall with a turnover behind the net. Throws it out front. They score! Jesper Faust! Johnny on the spot. What a steal by the captain. And the man they call Quickie's got his third of the year. The Canes have a 1-0 lead. Pesci with the Demeter Rider. Down low, back up top. To Pesci. Pesci. Working back. Calling for it. Gets it. He'll throw one on. Rebound out in front. Stall gets it. They'll score! The captain with great work out in front. And the Hurricanes have taken a 3-1 lead on the power play. 13.05 to go in the third period. 30 seconds left on the power play. Svechnikov works it around. To Ajo. Walking down the slot. Snaps one. He'll score! Sebastian Ajo on the power play. The Canes come up with a big dagger as Ajo is third of the season. Four minutes to go here in the third period. Columbus sends it into the Hurricanes end. Carolina will easily get to that one. Slavin pushes it forward. Now Svechnikov. Svechnikov across the true check. The score! Oh, what a setup! Slavin, Svechnikov, Trocek. That's the magic in the Canes. Go up. 5-1. Now a giveaway. And stepping in on Anderson was Chinikov. And a big save by Anderson with the pad. Now it's Texier getting it to Roslovic. Freddie Anderson just so calm. Pinball Wizard with another flipper save. The shot from Gavrikov is seen the entire way. And Anderson now we'll a giveaway out from Lighty. Right on Anderson with the save. Still loose in the blue paint. Swept by Jenner. Still loose. Somehow the Canes keep that from finding the back of the net. First by Anderson and then his friends. Oh, Freddie Anderson again having a night. All the big saves at the right time. This is the Canes Corner Podcast with host Adam Gold. Presented by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. The Canes Corner Podcast is part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network. Now, here's your host, Adam Gold. It's the Canes Corner Podcast. Morning after edition. I am Adam Gold. Just imagine what this will look like when the Carolina Hurricanes actually start playing well. They are now 4-0 and on the season. And remember, you can't go 82-0 and without first going 4-0. and 5-1 win over the Columbus Blue Jackets in Columbus as the Canes kind of, they played fine. They didn't play great. And they kept Columbus in it until they decided to just step there, put their foot on the accelerator and just pump in a bunch of goals, but uh, that game was 2-1, and it was anybody's hockey game uh, because Carolina was just managing the puck or mismanaging the puck, uh, as it were. A lot of things to do. First, let me remind you, we are brought to you by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. If it's for the exterior of your home, you can find it at the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. What you do is you go online, aluminumcompany.com. You get yourself a free, no-obligation estimate, and then you make your home not only beautiful, but energy efficient. 
Sammy Hanna and his crew can do that for you. We're going to talk to Alec Campbell a little bit later on. Uh, we'll even take a look. Busy night in the NHL. We'll just take a quick glance around the league and see what oh, what's going on with former Hurricanes. We saw one former Hurricane in this game tonight as the uh, Canes met up with their friend Jake Bean. And Jake Bean, courteous, gracious host, lost the puck to Jordan Stahl on the first goal of the game. And Carolina had a one nothing lead. Uh, in case you uh, you didn't hear it. Stahl with a turnover behind the net. Throws it out front. They score! Jesper Faust! Johnny on the spot. What a steal by the captain. And the man they call Quickie's got his third of the year. The Canes have a one nothing lead yeah, in Columbus. How about Jesper Faust getting his third goal of the year? Uh, just keeping pace with Sebastian Ajo, I guess. Actually, it's the other way around. Ajo's third of the year came after... Jesper Faust picked up his third of the year. Uh, good start, really, that play uh, entirely from the captain. Uh, Jordan Stahl, the play actually started all the way back in Carolina's end. Uh, Stahl won a battle in the corner with Alexander Texier. Uh, the puck ends up coming out. I think it was Stahl to Niederreiter who pushed the puck forward, and then Stahl followed it all the way around behind the net. Uh, won a battle behind the net, and the puck squirted over to Jake Bean, who I guess maybe he was having a flashback, still thinking that he's a Carolina Hurricane. And he gave it to Stahl. Stahl brought it out front, gave it to Jesper Foss, who swept it in for one nothing. Carolina led. Carolina made it 2 nothing on a Vincent Trocek power play goal. Uh, the actual, a literal wrist shot from Trocek. It was Svechnikov's shot. That actually hit Trocek just, I would say, the base of the glove, maybe. So it sort of protects the wrist. And it fluttered past Corpusalo for 2 nothing. That's how the period ended. It was Carolina's best period, in my opinion. Best period of the game was the first period. Second period, they take back-to-back penalties. We can uh, quibble with the second one. I don't think Brett Pesci did much to Jacob Voracek, who I hope he's okay. It went down really, really easily. So either Pesci is really, really strong, or we'll just say that Voracek was off balance. Either way, five-on-three goal. Didn't take very long, but Carolina killed off the next power play. Uh, Boone Jenner had the power play goal. He was just camped out in front. Um, Probably a little bit of bad luck that the puck just sat there, but he poked it in. 2-1, and at that point, it could go anyway. And Freddie Anderson, uh, one of the saves you heard uh, from Freddie Anderson there, came at 2-1. And actually, I think both of them came at 2-1. And, I mean, Carolina, again, was mismanaging the puck a lot tonight, but uh, it could have been a completely different game. Uh, but Jordan Stahl scores the power play goal. Uh, power play was good tonight, statistically. I'm not sure how great it really was. It was okay. It wasn't bad. Uh, but on the Sebastian Ajo power play goal that made it 4-1, uh, uh, almost midway through the third period, I thought the power play was terrible. Just a dreadful power play. And then, you know, it was sort of more in the run of play, if you will, to borrow a term from Alec's favorite sport, soccer. We'll talk to Alec again in just a few minutes. Uh, just a pass over to Aho from, uh, from, I think it was Trocek. And Seabass just skated in between the rings and... Uh, just let loose with a great wrist shot and beat Corpusalo 
wide to uh, just inside the post. That was that. But it really, I mean, it was power play, but Carolina's power play was terrible. And then Trocek scores uh, just a few minutes left to make it uh, 5-1. This is really the prettiest goal of the night. Uh, This is a transition goal. Slavin gets it up. Svechnikov and Trocek come in 2-1-1. Andre Sauce is a beautiful pass over to uh, Vinny, uh, who kind of chipped it over Corpusalo. Just a beautiful goal. Uh, It's one of those things that makes the highlights because... Uh, it's just such a pretty thing to watch. So, uh, but Carolina won five one. The score, I don't think, indicative of the the even nature of this game, especially five on five. Five on five is an even game. Even game difference in this game. Carolina's skill better than Columbus's skill, and Columbus has some really good players. Voracek's still a good player. Zach Wierenski on the back end is excellent, one of the best. Uh, obviously, Patrick Lyonnais is great. He's off to a pretty good start. I love Oliver Bjorkstrand. I think he's one of the best players uh, in the uh, in the Metropolitan Division. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't be completely shocked if Bjorkstrand Bjorkstrand ends up being an All Star for Columbus. They got to have somebody, right? Bjorkstrand's a really, really good player, and has been a problem for Carolina. I think he had eight points in the eight games last year, uh, but they they're still kind of grindy ish. And I don't think they're great on the back end. And folks, Carolina's legit. <laughs> the talent level on this team with the Finns up front, who I thought played well again tonight, and uh, the second line was better probably. I think probably better than the Finns, Trocek, Svechnikov, and Natchez. Even though Natchez seemed a little quiet, I thought Marty played a pretty solid game tonight. Uh, Andre was good. Hey, Andre didn't get, take a penalty today. We should probably celebrate that. I almost gave him a star for not taking a penalty. Uh, but Trocek hit the score sheet a couple of times. Obviously, he had a three-point night, two goals and an assist. So he was really good tonight. But uh, the best line continues to be Stahl, centering Niederreiter, and Jesper Foss. They, they have just been so, so good. Uh, Jordan Stahl's, I thought, the best player in the game. Uh, and with all the mismanagement of the puck, they allowed Freddie Anderson... To be great again. Now, it wasn't, you know, there weren't as many wild chances, but there were some point-blank opportunities. Uh, And I think Freddie got a little lucky at times. The wraparound from, I believe it was Texier in the third period, that Svechnikov got over enough just to bother him. Uh, And so Texier couldn't get all the way out in front of the net because Andre was there. Uh, so there was a little bit of good fortune from Anderson, but he also made a lot of really good saves. And I think Jordan Stahl said after the game that he made the the big saves, the tough saves, look easy. And again, this is why everybody likes the big goalie, because sometimes you just cover more of the net naturally. And in many ways, uh, Freddie Anderson was doing that tonight. But he was very good uh, and... Carolina had, obviously, a lot of players pile up some points. Uh, it was Trocek had 2-1. and one. Jordan Stahl, a goal and an assist. Andrei Svechnikov, a couple of assists. Sebastian Ajo uh, scored his third goal. 8-1 and one in the faceoff circle. Uh, how about this? The last two games for Sebastian Ajo. 16 wins, 3 losses uh, on the dot. Jesper Faust had his third goal. Tony D'Angelo. We're going to talk about this with Alec Campbell a little bit later on. Tony D'Angelo had an assist. He was a plus two, played 20 minutes tonight. 
after the first period, which I don't think uh, was his best, but after the first period, Brenda Moore flipped Tony D'Angelo and Ethan Bear. And this was not demoting Bear, I don't, and I don't think it was promoting D'Angelo. What I think it was doing was protecting D'Angelo because I think that Rod was afraid that every time D'Angelo and, and uh, Ian Cole hit the ice, here's coming uh, you know, Patrick Lyon and his friends. And I don't think Rod wanted that matchup, so I think he just flipped Bear and D'Angelo. And I thought Tony played a pretty good game. It's just a solid performance. And that's really all you're asking for, Tony. Uh, just be solid and let your scoring work on the power play. And again, I don't even think Carolina was all that great on the power play, but they got three out of six with the man advantage penalty kill, three out of four, uh, and three for three at four on five. The five on three goal, you, I mean, you're supposed to score five on three goals. Uh, even though Carolina didn't the other day, you're supposed to score at five on three. And uh, so I wasn't surprised that Columbus did that. But uh, Carolina's penalty kill was great. Actually, there was one penalty kill where Carolina was simply better. Better. Better chances on the uh, penalty kill. But again, I think Columbus had, for the most part, on one power play. I think Columbus also did that. Uh, but I'm not sure Carolina didn't score on that power play. So, you know, I think that might have been the Ajo power play goal. Either way, uh, Carolina didn't play their best game, but they win at 5-1 because they're simply better than the Blue Jackets. So, quick thing before we get to Alec Campbell. A little surprised that Freddie Anderson played tonight. Based on you just played Thursday, you had travel, thought maybe we would see Auntie Ranta today. Uh, and then Freddie would come back on Monday against his former team, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, I don't know. I don't know why we had Anderson. He clearly played excellent the last two starts, so maybe Rod is simply riding a hot hand. Certainly hasn't been too much work. Again, we've been playing uh, the, the, the season started, what, like 12 days ago? Carolina has just played its fourth game, so it's not like the, anybody's been overly taxed. So I think that was probably the thought process, and I don't think it rules Anderson out for Monday against Toronto. And I don't think it rules Anderson out for Thursday. Uh, he's not going to play the back-to-back, but it would be, a, a, I think, a dramatic change in philosophy. Brenda Moore, as the head coach, they have always essentially been a two-man goaltending tandem. But maybe that's not going to be the case this year. Anderson, remember, until throw out last year, weird year, short season, he got hurt. He averaged more than 60 starts a year the last four years with Toronto. So it's not crazy that Anderson has started the first four games. The only real surprise is that he's doing that with Rod Brindamore as his head coach. But Rod is adaptable, I guess. My man, Alec Campbell, Stormwatch, Aftermath, Intermissions. And uh, we do this day job, Monday through Friday. All right, have I said this before? I didn't think Carolina played all that well. I mean, they were okay. It, it, wasn't, a, it wasn't a trash heap. 
Uh, but it was, again, a little messy, but, man, they're just good, and they got goal scores, and they made it look like a laugher. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I feel like these last three games have basically been the same thing. I mean, you're getting great performances from Freddie Anderson. You've got just a ridiculous number of giveaways. I mean, the amount of clearing attempts, passes, and shots that are basically just blocked and turned into scoring chances and breakaways is remarkable. I mean, I just I don't remember this being as much of a trend for any team where it's like, I mean, they're getting blocked like like two feet in front of them. Yeah. And the rebound is going the other direction for scoring chances. It's crazy that it's happened like that. But, I mean, the other side of this coin is that this team seems really good offensively. <laughs> and I guess you can live with some of that stuff as long as you're able to score goals. And it feels like this team scores goals more effort- effortlessly than they have in the past. So if that's going to be the case, I mean, it's probably still too early to really say whether or not it will be or won't be. I mean, wasn't it a couple of years ago when the Canes got out to a 5-0 and start? Right. And things got a little bit weird throughout the middle of the season. So, you know, I try to learn from my past in terms <laughs> of generalizing things too early. Um, but they sure have had an easy time scoring goals and done well in the power play too which has helped and i feel like that's really been like big parts of the beginning of the season special teams have been huge turnovers have been huge and goaltending has been huge but yeah. they found a way to win four games in a row so let's uh let's talk about goaltending real quick i think you and i were both surprised that freddie anderson got another start i really thought yeah. we'd see ranta today and then uh, we'd go back to Freddie on Monday against uh, Toronto when they come into town. Uh, but, and I asked Rod before the game, I'm like, is it because he's played so well? And he's sort of yes and no. Like, I think they yeah. were leaning toward this anyway. And I know they haven't played a ton of hockey. So, uh, part, part, you know, maybe part of Rod is he's just trying to get Freddie. Uh, really ingrained in the system because it's obviously different. He's playing with NHL defensemen here, unlike what happened in Toronto for all those years. I kid. Uh, Toronto doesn't really care that much about defense. They just try to outscore everybody. Uh, but right. here, these, you know, Carolina's a defense first team, even though they can score. And like Freddie has, this is three games in a row now where Freddie's been outrageous. Uh, how about this stat for you? 92 saves in his last 96 shots the last three games. Nine, 9.58 save percentage. That's Freddie Anderson the last three. Yeah, and how many of those goals have come on in five-on-five five situations? I think uh, a lot of them ooh. have been power play goals. One power play goal in Montreal for sure. Uh, I think it was tonight. a power play goal. No, it wasn't a power play goal in, uh, in Nashville, and tonight was a five-on-three goal. So two goals at five-on-five. No, I think no. One of the goals in Nashville was six on five, so one five on five goal the last three games. Yeah, I mean he's been he's been awesome, especially considering the first game. You know, we were making the whole like old man looking for his glasses in the dark <laughs> remark. But I, 
I just, when it comes to Rod and the decision-making, I don't know. I, I mean, I like the idea of saying to people, hey, man, you've been good. You deserve to play. I mean, I'm sorry it comes at the expense of Ronta not seeing any action for four games, but Freddie has basically won them the game the last couple of nights. Tonight, I mean, I think you could make that case too, except for they did a lot of good things. They scored a bunch of goals, but they gave the puck away way too much tonight, and Freddie bailed them out on a bunch of different occasions. So I think it's kind of difficult for – Rod to be like, eh, sorry, man, you're not going to play unless it's just a, you know, keeping a guy fresh type situation. You don't want to overwork them too early, I guess. But, I mean, you got to reward people. You got to positively reinforce them for good play. And I think that's kind of been a staple of Rod's coaching tenure since he's been the head coach. So I kind of, I kind of get that. I mean, I'd like to think that. We're not just playing. We're not just planning the goaltending just so Freddie can play against his old team. I mean, I kind of think that it's a bigger deal when he goes to Toronto as opposed to when he plays them here on Monday night. I mean, you got to play the player you think is going to give you the best chance to win, no matter no matter who the team is. Um, but can I overthink the situation for a second? Sure, go ahead. If it didn't go well, you're out not playing him against Toronto on Monday. Uh, I don't know. Maybe he won't play him on Monday anyway. I think you're right. I think but you might be right. But now he's played well, and so I don't really know what you do. Uh, I mean, <laughs> at this point, I feel like you got to go back to him. But if you're going to go back to him tonight, why wouldn't you go back to him on Monday? Right. I mean, there was travel in each situation, only one day off in each situation. Uh, so I like I got no problem playing Freddie. I got, I mean I I said this I said this to you in one of the intermissions. Throw out last year injuries and it's a short season. In the in the four previous seasons, I believe his first four with Toronto, he had started an average of I think it was like sixty one games. He's a workhorse. He just yeah. flat out plays a lot. It's just it's more of a departure from Rod than it is from anything else, and maybe Rod's never had a goalie that he thought I could play this guy every day. Maybe this is the first yeah. time he looks at his goaltenders and go, "See that guy? I can play him every night <laughs> uh, because he's yeah, big mean, and he's strong and he can go." I don't know. Yeah, no, I think I think maybe it's just jarring for us. Yeah, because we're we're not we're not used to seeing this and we kind of know the rhythms of the tandem goaltending start the way it's been the last four years or so. So I think we're all kind of expecting it and it hasn't happened and Freddie's been good. So, you know, if he, if he, if he plays well tonight, then you've got your answer for Monday night. If he doesn't play well tonight, then you've got your answer for Monday night. And I, I don't, I wonder if that wasn't part of the thinking for, for, Brindamore uh, when he decided to play it tonight. So we'll see what happens Monday. Shout out to Chip asking about it after the game. It's one of those situations you got to ask. Right. As a media member, even though we know Rod's not going to tell us (laughs) 
two days before the game right. who's going to start. But uh, I guess we'll we'll all find out in due time. Yeah, I mean, 92 saves his last 96 shots. I think he's going to start. Uh, 27 out of 28 tonight. Uh, the last time, I don't think a Hurricane goaltender – uh, just coming to the team has ever won his first four starts. I think they were talking about it tonight. Kevin Weeks won his first three. Maybe he won his first four uh, when he arrived in, I believe it was 2001 when Kevin Weeks arrived in Carolina. A uh, couple of other things. You had asked me in one of the intermissions about Tony D'Angelo. So in the second period, Rod flipped Bear and D'Angelo, moved D'Angelo up with Slavin and dropped Ethan Bear to play with Ian Cole. Now, I don't think that it was had anything to do with demotion or uh, you know, elevating a play, you know, a, a player for merit. I think it was really to protect D'Angelo. Because I guess what Rod was worried about, maybe it happened in the first period. I didn't necessarily notice this, although it's easily researched that every time he put D'Angelo on the ice, here comes Patrick Lyonet and company over the boards. And that's what happens when you're on the road. You don't have the last change. And I think Rod was like, all right, let me protect D'Angelo by playing him with Slavin. And, I mean, I'm not saying those things stopped happening because it ha- it happened throughout the night, although I didn't notice D'Angelo with, with the mistakes anymore. Uh, but I think I just think that's what Rod was trying to do. But Tony played over 20 minutes tonight, and he he was a plus two. Yeah, it's interesting the way you know we talk we talk always about like oh you know D'Angelo's going to play on a third pair. It's probably the right thing to do because you can protect him defensively a little bit against teams you know lesser players or whatever. Until you run into a situation where the other team goes. Yeah, why wouldn't we put our best players out against their worst players? And I mean, I did notice that at one point late in the game. And uh, you know, that's why that's what makes Rod a good coach because he recognizes these things. And you know, and you know, kind of similar to the Dougie Slavin situation last year. I actually kind of thought at first that that was going to be the pairing. But, um, hey, man, D'Angelo, I've just liked him offensively. I mean, again, still too early for anybody to make any, like, grand proclamations about him, I think. But to me, he he has been, I don't know, he looks like a better version of Dougie to me offensively. Um, I know people probably – will immediately disagree with that. Oh, I cannot believe you said that. Why did you, why did you besmirch Dougie Hamilton that way? So I just researched it. And in the first period, every time D'Angelo stepped onto the ice, here comes Voracek, Boone Jenner, Patrick Lyonet. And I think that's what Rod was trying to avoid. That's why he did that in the second period. So, um, but it's okay. I mean, uh, like w- you, you and I understand this. You, Either one of us, if we could skate, could probably play okay with Jacob Slavin. Yeah, exactly. So, and yeah. this is sort of what, and I think to Corey Lavalette, I'll give a uh, give our friend Corey a little uh, a little love here. He said during the playoffs, I was talking to him. We were talking about uh, Tampa's defensive pairings, and he said that Tampa really has three elite defensemen: 
Hedman, McDonough, and Sergachev. And for the most part, they split them all up. And whoever, you know, Hedman plays with Jan Ruda. Jan Ruda is not a, a, a top pair defenseman, but playing next to Victor, Victor Hedman, you are. Right. <laughs> all right. Just all the pressure's off. So, anyway, right. I, you know, I'm not putting Slavin and Hedman in the same category, although it's not that much distance between them. Um, but Slavin's so good. Pesci and Shea, I thought, were excellent tonight. Um, it's just, they, they were good there. Like, the, the turnovers are just weird. They were. I, yeah. y- you said they were, you know, you're trying to clear the zone and it goes off somebody's knee and all of a sudden it's on Bjorkstrand's stick and he's all alone in front of Freddie Anderson and Anderson has to make a save. Uh, so uh, so that was that. Uh, yeah, it, it's happened an inordinate amount of times. Just shots that get blocked or passes that get blocked or clears that get blocked or whatever. And there, the bounces have been so fortuitous I don't know just like it's it's just I feel like it's happened more this year than it happens in a whole season yeah sometimes but so give me your uh, give me your three stars because I want there's still a couple of things I want to get to give me your three stars tonight um let's see here I think third star for me tonight will be Vinny Trocheck. Right. I'll give um I'll give Freddie the second and I'll give Jordo the first. Did did you copy off my paper? I didn't. I hadn't even thought about the three stars until this time. <laughs> those those were my three in that order. Trocheck third, Anderson second, Stahl first. I thought Jordan Stahl was great. So here's my question. Jordan. Go ahead. Jordan's probably the best player, I yep. think. I there to to me there's a there's a big gap I think between Jordan Stahl and everybody else. Uh, I thought Jordan was awesome tonight. That line again continues to be great. We've talked about it. I am going to ask Rod at some point. I meant to ask him today and forgot, so I'll do it Monday. What's different about Nino? Nino's been really good, and it's rare where you can say that Nino's been really good. If he's not scoring goals, he's got a goal. But I just think Nino's been excellent. And the goals will come because he's just playing well. And Jesper Faust, of course, is getting all the yeah. goals. Sebastian Ajo had to keep pace with Jesper Faust today. So let me ask this question. I have to assume that Seth Jarvis is going to draw in sometime yeah. this week. I, I want to assume it'll be Monday. But I wouldn't assume anything based on Forno uh, running out the same lineup. So who would come out? And I have to also assume that Jesper Faust will drop down and play on the fourth line. Except, why would you break up Stahl, Niederreiter, and Faust? So I, th- that's my question to you, Alec Campbell. Do you even play yeah. Seth Jarvis? I mean, this is the conundrum with the situation because... You got to try to win hockey games, and now you're four and zero. But you got this kid who you kept around, who you kind of need to figure out. Otherwise, you know, you're just sending him back, and you really haven't given him a look. Although 
if he doesn't, is it is it just that he has to play nine games? Like, can they just keep him here? No. Is it is it worth keeping him here? He, if he doesn't, or is he only allowed to be here for the first nine games of the year? No, I mean they can they could just you know execute his contract and he's on the team. They could just do yeah. that, but if they're not going to play him, then they're going to send him back to junior and save the year on his contract. Like there's a there's a there's an organizational element to this that. Uh, we can't ignore that if he doesn't, if he doesn't play, if they send him back to junior, then his NHL contract does not begin till next year. His pro contract, I should say, his pro contract right. doesn't begin till next year. But yeah, I mean, otherwise, I mean, if you, you they could just keep him around and let him travel with the team, uh, and have him as like an insurance policy in case somebody else gets hurt. But I don't see them doing that. Especially not with the depth that they have in uh, in Chicago in the AHL, they've got NHL depth down there. So there's always somebody if somebody gets hurt, uh, they can go down and hell they can get a uh, a Stefan Nason, a uh, a Jack Drury. They can go get somebody who can play in the NHL very very easily. Josh Lavo, they can go get those guys. So I'm not really. Uh, concerned about that but obviously you want to see if Seth Jarvis can play but at this point right you can't you're not playing him with Martinook and um Derek Stepan you're not playing him there because that line's a only playing like seven minutes a night and uh it's not the right spot for him so you got to play him in a top three line situation but you're not taking Natchez out of the lineup you're not dropping him down you're not doing the same thing with Taravine and he plays the right side Jarvis. So the, your your option is: Do you play him with Niederreiter and Stahl? And why would you take Fost off that line? So I just right. don't know what Rod's going to do. Um, look, I'd love to see him play, but if they didn't play him and they just said, "You know what? We're not messing with this," and they just put him on a plane and send him back to Portland, I wouldn't be completely surprised. Yeah, I mean, I just I get into this thing like what what what's better, playing in Portland in games or practicing with the NHL team until the AHL season, until you, the junior season's over and you can go play in Chicago. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't it doesn't seem like he's going to get anything out of going back to juniors. Yeah, I mean, I I don't disagree with that at all. I I mean, I've said it's basically a wasted year for him. I mean, I, I actually even wondered aloud with somebody who sort of chuckled and said, I don't think it will happen. I just wondered aloud, uh, what if he went and played in Sweden for a year? It, it reminds me of like the the soccer dilemma we get into. Like, is it better for a player to play all the time in the MLS or go sit on the bench on someone's EPL team? <laughs> uh, you know? Yeah. But But yeah, like this is why I thought, it was almost better to get him in early in the season. But again, you're in this situation where you can't, you're, you're in a bad spot to be evaluated sort of because it's the regular season. So you have to win games. You have to do your best to win games. 
had they lost a few games, they might have been they might be in a better spot to play them. But since they're cruising along right now, it makes the decision a whole lot tougher because you don't really want to mess with anything. Yeah, it's, so it is hard. I, I don't really know what to do. I don't have an answer. I don't have an answer for what to do. But it seems also a little bit wasteful to have had him around here and not seen what you had. Right. That's so that's the big, point. There's a big part of me that feels like you just got to put him in a put him in the game. But I don't. I mean, Jesper Fox has scored in three of the four games so far. It's been one of their best so feels, players. Yeah. It feels like he. It feels like just by name brand, he would be the guy to come off. Except he's been really good. Well, I don't. I don't think Jesper Foss is going to come out. Um, my, if I had to guess, I would say Stephen Lorenz would probably come out, or is it Lawrence? Yeah, okay. Stephen Lawrence would come out. Stephen Lorenz, I think, might stay in the lineup. Uh, but since he's Stephen Lawrence now, I think we'd have to take him out. Uh, but, but don't I, they play different different sides though? I think Lorenz is pl- Lawrence is playing the right side, and Martin can I mean, play either th- side. I mean, to me, like th- they get over that fact so so quickly. The sides of the ice, like I, I mean, I know they would prefer to have people play on their natural sides, but I mean, if it comes to it, I mean, I I think you could take Lawrence out or Lawrence out, <laughs> and just figure it out. Take them both out. Take them both out. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. Look, uh, not everybody likes to play their natural side. Eric Cole was a left shot, but a right wing his whole career. Uh, Tavo Teravainen's a left shot, but a right wing. So I think yeah. Yeah, I think Jesper Faust is also a left shot, but plays the right side. Alex Ovechkin is a right shot, playing the left side. So there you go. Exactly, we figured it out. Uh, we still don't know uh, where or when Seth Jarvis is going to play. Here's another thing, real quick. I wonder if we're going to see Brendan Smith in mm-hmm. uh, in in the homestand. Haven't seen him. We have not seen him yet. Ian Cole's been good. I don't think Ian Cole's been great. He is. He was victimized a couple of times tonight. By the way, I did appreciate Ian Cole playing uh, a you know a, a player in transition the right way when yeah. the player tried to put the puck around him and go get it. Ian Cole just stood him up. Yeah, just leave the puck. Leave the puck alone. I don't care about take the puck. The body. I just want you. <laughs> right. Leave the puck. Take the body. God, it was just textbook. It was. It was good. All right. But he also he also had a couple of giveaways. Oh that, yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, turned into some chances. How about the uh, How about the fifteen minute shift the Canes had inside the Columbus zone in which they completed a line change two, while on offense. Almost two line changes. Yeah. They almost completed two line changes during that shift. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't score yeah. on it, but it was fun. They also had a power play where it looked like Columbus was on the power play and not the Canes. Right, but didn't Ajo score at the end of that? Yes, that was the one <laughs> Ajo ends up scoring on. But the whole first, the whole first half of it, I'm like, who's on the power play here? Right, it was awful. It was such a bad power play, and then Ajo scored, and I'm like, gosh, that's going down as a power play goal, and that power play was butt. It, it was. Stunk. It was not good. It was not good. The the Columbus kind of poured it on in the third period too. Oh yeah, like Columbus was, not, was better in the third. Yeah, for sure. Carolina 
end up scoring a couple of goals. But and the the, the goal that Trocheck scored on the rush with Svechnikov oh, was awesome. What a pretty uh, goal! They're just, I mean, I know Corpusala is their backup goaltender, but he was good in Detroit, and they lost. Um, oh yeah, or when they forty one saves. Detroit. 41 right. saves on 43 shots, and, and yeah, and he lost. He was the losing goalie. Yeah, he was good for them. But um, I don't know, man. Carolina, just they seem like they're just a, a good offensive team. They and got I a lot of players, end, man. In, in the end, if they, you know, the name of the game, just score more goals. So if they get, you know, if they keep getting, I mean, I, I don't think this goaltending like this can hold up with all of these great chances. Right. So they got to clean some of it up, but I mean, if you're just going to outscore people, then hey, we'll live with some of the some of the turnovers. I'm on your side, Alec Campbell. Uh, we'll do this again on Monday, shall we? Let's do it. All right, sir. You're a gentleman and a scholar, and uh, a fine uh, a fine radio companion. <laughs> well, I appreciate you, my friend. All of your hard work. Thank you so much. And thank you for including me. I always appreciate it. <laughs> yes. All right, sir. Uh, we'll do it again on Monday. Alec Campbell uh, signing off. All right. Peace. So a couple of scores I think are worth even pointing out. Pittsburgh walloped Toronto 7-1. Uh, so the Maple Leafs come to PNC Arena on Monday. That should be a lot of fun. It's always good to play the Maple Leafs. And uh, we'll see if Freddie Anderson makes his fifth straight start there. Uh Brock McGinn did not have a scoring point, but he played 18 minutes. Florida scored the last three goals to beat Philadelphia 4-2. Florida, John, Jonathan Huberdeau, I believe, had two goals and an assist. Uh, that team is 5-0. and They are awesome. Man, we knew we, we could see Florida coming last year, right? Florida's dynamite. That's They're going to be fun to watch. Uh, Elias Lindholm had a hat trick. In Calgary's win, the third goal coming in overtime, the game winner, uh, the Rangers came from down 2 nothing in the third period. They scored three goals in a three-minute-20-second span in the last five-and-a-half minutes of the game to win it uh, 3-2 over Ottawa. Uh, Seattle is opening up their home schedule, and they have just taken a one nothing lead uh, at the very tail end of the first period, so you know we're recording this. Uh, it is not yet 11 o'clock Eastern time, but uh, Vince Dunn with the goal. He scores the first Kraken goal at home uh, in franchise history. So the Hurricanes are 4-0. and As I keep saying, you can't go 82-0 and without going 4-0. and Kane's Corner Podcast is brought to you by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. If it's for the exterior of your home, you can find it at the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. On Hamlin Road in Durham, there is no place like it. If you want something for the exterior of your home, where you want windows or entry doors or gutter helmets, which are really cool, especially in the fall, and I know we're kind of beyond the fall, but it's never too late to protect your gutters and not have to clean them ever, online, aluminumcompany.com. Follow the Canes Corner Podcast wherever you get your podcast. You can give us a rating if you want. You can review us. You can give us your feedback. Uh, but just follow it so it shows up on your phone or wherever you get your podcast right away. Like now. See? It's here already. All right, so until Monday, Canes and Toronto at PNC Arena. 
Hurricanes beat Columbus 5-1. I'm Adam. We'll see you. This has been the Canes Corner Podcast with Adam Gold, presented by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. You can listen to this podcast at WRALsportsfan.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC.